What's my superpower? Yeah, what's your superpower? <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out. Robert, we haven't been able to figure that out in like 15 years. So if you know, you're really good yeah. at wearing flannel shirts. <laughs> yes. Thank you. This is the one and only, the original podcast where you can find yours and your business's true value. You're listening to Our Value. Brought to you by America's Insulation Source, IDI Distributors. You want to hear from the best contractors, suppliers, and consultants that dedicate themselves to more than just survival in the business world? Industry professionals that are dedicated to excellence in every aspect of their business? Our Value has them all here to share that same motivation and knowledge with you. Tune in and grow a more successful, profitable, educated, and recognized business. Listen to the Our Value podcast to become the industry leader in your market. Find your value with Our Value. Hello, friends. Welcome to Our Value, brought to you by IDI Distributors. This is the Insulators Podcast. We'll bring you industry experts in building science, fiberglass, spray foam, spray foam equipment, business and marketing leaders, and many others. So sit back, relax, take some notes. You're listening to Our Value. I'm Travis Pancake, Sales and Training here at IDI, alongside my co-hosts today, Don Clymer. <laughs> and uh, Aaron Franzine. So, Don, what are we doing here today? Who are we bringing on today? We are bringing the one and only Spray Foam Advisor, Robert Niney, on the show today. Awesome. Yes. So what can you tell us about the guy? Are you going to acknowledge his presence today? Yeah, we'll, we'll bring him in. Okay. We'll bring him in. So I, we were just talking about this before we came on. Uh, I've known Robert for all over 10 years at least, um, back to his Demolac days. But now Robert is with, and he is the one and only Spray Foam Advisor, like I said. And I'm just going to read a little bit of his bio. Robert has a Bachelor's of Science in Mechanical Engineering and an MBA from the University of Texas at Arlington. With many years of experience on the cutting edge of spray foam insulation dating back to 2004. Holy smokes. Robert has developed a unique Yes, a unique knowledge base, including spray foam sales and marketing, employee and applicator training, building science awareness, and building code expertise. Therefore, he can leverage his spray foam knowledge and business know-how to help both manufacturers and contractors grow their business. And that's what we all want, right? That's right. 100%. Yeah. We didn't introduce Franzini. Didn't he say hi? Yeah. Good enough. All right. Hi. (laughs) So, Robert, with, with all... You know, kidding aside, we've known each other for a while. I ran into you at the uh, last SPFA out in Pasadena, and we were just kind of talking, and um, we actually started talking about food and and how I miss uh, uh, the food from New Orleans being in Colorado. Now the only cultural food, good food out there is green chili, but we were talking about the food out there and the, the fried grouper sandwiches in Florida where you live. And then that, somehow that conversation transitioned into, hey, do you want to do a podcast? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Quite <right>. naturally. <laughs> yeah. So so here we are. Kind of take us through a little bit of your background and how how you went from an MBA in engineering to being the spray foam advisor, as we all know you today. Sure. Don, first, I want to say thank you for asking me to be on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, but yeah, it's as you said, with my background, after I got my undergrad in mechanical engineering and then my master's in business, I started at Demolec, and that was actually an accident. Um, I had no idea what spray foam insulation was. This is back in 2004. 
I barely even knew what insulation was. I actually knew more about R value and U value and thermodynamic calculations from my engineering degree than I actually knew what the physical products were in real life. And uh, my dad had actually started working at Demolec a couple months before I graduated college, and he slipped my resume. Fred. Uh, yeah, Fred. Fred, yes, exactly. I remember Fred. So Fred Ninety, my father, worked in the customer service department. And uh, he slipped my resume on the desk of Dave Law, the CEO and owner of Demolec USA at the time. And Dave's assistant called me in, brought me in for an interview. And I started the next week. And uh, I started in the, the, as an engineering intern, actually, and spent a couple of years inside at the engineering department, went out and did a couple of years in the field as a sales rep moved back to Texas and started uh, an architectural specification program for Demolec. Okay. I remember that. Where I was doing a bunch of architect presentations all across the country and training the entire staff how to do architect presentations. Perfect. And and that led me to create the engineering department um, and become director of engineering. I brought on, put an architect on staff. We had a technical drafter on staff. Uh, we brought a fire engineer on staff. And so I was running a team of about five and we managed all technical challenges from sales reps, um, from contractors, code officials, uh, building uh, builders themselves, architects, any type of technical issues related to the the way the products could be used in the field came through our department. And then all the product testing to get evaluation reports and to meet code and provide code compliance and all of that documentation. So you've done everything from sales to engineering to architectural presentation. So you're well-rounded in the spray foam industry. That's right. That's right. And so that led me to Dave actually promoted me to COO. I don't know. I mean, there's a couple of uh, name drops that might come out here where uh, some people that left Demolec vacated some positions and there was a restructuring before the sale before the eventual sale sure. happened. Yep. Um, Dave Feidel left Demolec. Uh, Ken Allison left Demolec, and I was promoted to uh, COO. They left um, off one letter during that the time. L. Ken Allison, I, I know that name. Who's that? Yeah, you, you know that name, right? <laughs> a little, a little name dropping action there. <laughs> I became COO of Demolec USA, and then the transaction then the sale to sun capital the private equity firm that bought demlick occurred and i was coo during that time um day we you know did the transition from dave law to a new ceo dave after about six months dave retired i worked with the new ceo to onboard a new vp suite and combine you know bring demlick usa and demlick canada who were operated as two separate companies previously helped bring them together as one company under new management structure with a whole new leadership team. And after about a year, um, I left and started Spray Foam Advisor. What was, uh, have you been, had you been working on Spray Foam Advisor in your head, kind of thinking this is what the industry needs, somebody independent? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Not at all. It Thank was you for your honesty. like the complete honesty here. I got laid off. I okay. was the C- COO that from a you know a previous regime sure 
and we brought in a whole bunch of new executives. I was the last man standing from the previous regime. And I was part of like a, I think a nine or 10 person cut that happened a year after the transaction. And that was the and, oh shit moment. Yeah. And it kind of, it completely caught me by surprise. Uh, but it was one of the best things that ever happened to me because I, if the, if it didn't happen to me, then I, I might still be working there today. Right. And never would have got my feet off the ground with something of my own. And so, you know, it took me about two to three weeks to realize, you know, my superpower is really understanding a lot of technical information and figuring out a way to condense it down and share it with other people. What's my Whether superpower? That, yeah, what's your superpower, <laughs> I'm, right? I'm still trying to figure out. <laughs> Robert, we haven't been able to figure that out in like 15 years. So if you know, please tell us. You're really hey, you good at wearing flannel shirts. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. You have him around, so he does something special. He just has to figure out what it is. Yeah. yeah. Do we make the Patagonia plug now? <laughs> <laughs> it's a walking Patagonia billboard. Uh, so we digress. Uh, so here you are. Your superpower is the spray foam advisor to the industry. Well, it's really just a matter of, uh, you know, spray foam advisors a brand, right? Just right. like IDI is a brand. Um the, the idea behind Spray Foam Advisor when I started it was that I felt I had value that I could offer to more than just one employer. You know, sure. there were plenty of employers in the marketplace that were, I could have gone on interviews and tried to get another job, but I thought I had strong enough value that I could offer um, to more than just one employer. And so I started shopping around my services as a consultant, knowing that uh, my ultimate end goal would be to build a training and education platform for the industry. When did you become the spray foam advisor? Did you guys already say that? In the uh, so I don't think so. 2015 is when I bought the URL, started marketing spray foam advisor. Start, I started writing my blogs in 2015 and uh, started picking up a, a couple of contracts in 2015. Nice. Are you a one-man band, or do you have a team? Or I'm a one-man band. It's all you, baby. One it's man all me. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, I, go ahead. I, I will say that I have learned the value of hiring out the things that I'm not great at. And, you know, most of the time I just re rely on uh, virtual assistants or, you know, some type of, uh, you know, part-time help because I, I'm not to scale where I really need a full-time person. Um, and, and when I do need help, it's typically in an array of different things. So I look for those skills when I can find them. All right. Well, let's get down to a little bit business here. You know, one of the things that Don and I were talking about before the podcast was the uh, topic of skilled laborers, Right. Where have they all gone? And uh, I'm citing an article that you wrote, uh, sprayfoam.com, from February, about a year ago. So a lot of uh, the information that we're going to talk about today is that's where I'm going to get it from. Uh, great article. And obviously, we want to dive a little bit deeper into some of those subjects. So um, one of the things I'm looking at is where have all the skilled laborers gone, Robert? Yeah, it's a big question. And I don't know what you're hearing from your customers, but when I talk to contractors out there in the marketplace, the number one challenge that I'm constantly being hit with is 
where do I find labor? What do I do about personnel? And I'm constantly hearing that as the number one challenge. And when we talk about labor, most of the time we think about it on the applicator side. And it's more than just the applicator side. It's all parts of the business, um, including, I would say, on the spray foam sales side of things, because there's just not enough knowledgeable people when it comes to these topics um, to be able to just hit the ground running in these positions. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that, that my job takes me across the country uh, dealing with um, insulation contractors, that's the number one gripe, labor, labor, labor. They're constantly that. How do we find it? If yeah, you help me find labor, I'll buy from you. Exactly. Right. But like you said, yeah. it's, it's sales, it's estimators, it's, hell, it's office help. I mean, there's a shortage of help in across the board, not just labor. Right. That's right. Well, you know, all positions ultimately come down to labor. It comes down to some personnel filling a role somewhere. And, uh, you know, the, the, the question that I pose in that article, and I did the same, um, you know, the, the presentation, the breakout session I did at SPFA this past month in February was about the same topic. And that question that I pose is kind of, uh, you know, more amusing than real, because the reality is we never had the labor to begin with because right. the industry's growing so fast and we're an infant really compared to other construction trades. Hey, real quick. And if, what do you think the yeah. industry is growing at on an average? What rate? Yeah. Uh, I think we've slowed down a little bit, um, but we're probably in the 10 to 12% year over year growth okay. is kind of my, that's kind of my feel right now for the market. Sure. You know, we had we had years, you know, if you think back five, six years ago, spray foam was growing at like an 18 to 23% clip. Yeah. And it was kind of outrageous. Yeah. Um, I think that slowed down a little bit, but I don't see it stopping. Um, it's no, especially with uh, the increased really, energy codes and, and all yeah. that. No, it's not gonna it's not gonna stop. We'll continue. What do you what do right. you think has created some of the slowdown? Labor? Uh size of the market in general, you know, as the market gets bigger, it takes a bigger, you know, it takes a bigger piece of the pie to make the same 20% clip. Sure. Right. So, so at a, you know, hundred million dollar market space, it only takes $20 million growth to get a 20% clip. But when you're a billion dollar marketplace, it takes $200 million. Like it's, it's just the sheer size and numbers, I think. Right. So one, Robert- that's one of the key factors. So you said that there's always been a shortage of labor in this industry. Do you think it's because the demand has outgrown the contractors that can fulfill it? So is that what you were alluding to? Yeah. So that's part of it. And and then also, you know, I mentioned the youth of the construction of the spray foam industry and overall construction. If you look at other segments of the construction market, they're also having labor shortages. You look at HVAC contractors, you look at electricians. electricians are huge. Yeah. You know, you look at any skilled labor out there and they're, they're finding difficulties filling those roles. So how do we fix that? Yeah, that's, um, that's the big question, right? Right. Like, yeah. There, my, my opinion, like I have a plan, but it's something that the industry as a whole has to tackle and we can't wait on. And, and it's better to think about, you know, why is this important first? You know, what happens if we don't do something about it? Yeah. Well, if we don't have labor five to 10 years in the future, then we become beholden to the laborers that are in the industry, to the knowledgeable laborers that are available, which means labor prices go up 
That means bid prices have to go up. And that means we have to um, we have to start having bigger conversations about why there's a, a big discrepancy between, you know, spray foam prices and other insulation. Materials. I was just going to say that spread just widens. It, it just right gets there. bigger. Yep. Right. So I think, uh, you know, you asked, how do we attack this problem? And my opinion is it has to, you know, it has to be done across the board at all levels of the industry. It starts with recruiting constantly, constantly recruiting new talent from everywhere uh, possible. I was just going to ask, where do you think our contractors should recruit? Yeah. I mean, is we're open. I mean, that that's like sure. we said, that's our number one gripe from our contractors. Uh, yeah. Do, do installers use a recruiting agency? I mean, do they, are they going out saying, boy, I, I really need a job they can. Do people can, still take ads out in the paper? <laughs> Help wanted. I mean, honestly, I, some of them do. Yeah. So taking ads out in the paper, really uh, electronic papers, right? So Facebook yeah. marketplace, um, Craigslist, um, some of these electronic, uh, indeed.com, some of these electronic websites, that's where, uh, uh, what's the other one? Um, not Facebook, but the professional LinkedIn, LinkedIn, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. So these are some of the sources that I think contractors are used to using. Well, let me, let me back you up a little bit because, and I'm, I'm kind of going from your article, you know, when was yeah. the last time you heard a millennial say, I want to work in the construction trade? So we got to look right. at this from even earlier than that, right? How do we get the skilled labor interest back in, into some of the youth, some of the, you know, the high school students, the college students where, you know, shop and, class. Well, yeah. I mean, that doesn't even exist in some high schools right. anymore. Right. So obviously we can do all the recruiting and the ads and, and, and looking for labor all we want, but if it's not there, where, how, where do we should start earlier than that? Right. We should yeah. try to reinforce it from a different level. So, well, the, the issue is that, you know, how did we get to this place, to this situation in the first place, right? And it, a, a big factor is shop classes, vocational schools, vocational programs and high schools, they don't exist anymore, right? And you go back, funding has been cut dramatically. You go back 20 to 30 years, our generation, and we were told what? Go to college, get a, get degree, a degree, to go get an office job, to go get a, a good job. And that good job was always viewed as a white collar office job. That, it, that reminds me of my favorite Super Bowl commercial ever. I can't remember, maybe Doritos or whatever. And it was a little kid and they're interviewing and this little chubby kid is like, I want to work my way into middle management. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, cause that's just what right. was pounded in her head. Right. That's right. That's right. And so that driving force, it drove a big portion of the population into universities and into professional careers and away from vocational school. Um, combine that with the downturn that happened around the 2007 to 2009 timeframe, and there weren't very many jobs, right? There weren't jobs available right. in the construction industry because people were being let go and kicked off to go find jobs elsewhere. So we now look 10 years in the future from that, you know, thir 12, 13 years in the future from that downturn, and that experience doesn't exist in the construction industry because it was all sent off to go find jobs elsewhere and they're not coming back. And that labor force is now aging and retiring and going away. Bingo. So right. we, we, where are we going to fill this from, Robert? Yeah. So we have to do it organically. That's my opinion. 
and we have to start now because organic growth takes a long time. If you if you've you know looked at any part of your business, and even you know a good way to look at it is the growth of a business from an organic standpoint takes a long time. The growth of uh, the population pool from an organic standpoint takes a long time. So what do I mean when I say organically? I mean, we have to do it from the grassroots. We have to recruit regularly. And you say, where from? My opinion is I want to hire um, smart, high integrity persons that are honest and truthful and uh, and will show up when they say they're going to show up. I want to hire for character and I will train knowledge and skills. That, that's a great point. So so you find the, the high integrity guy, the, the guy with character, the guy with drive. How do you keep him? Because this isn't an easy industry. The addicts sure. are 140 degrees. You know, they're crawling through up and over stuff. They're wearing their shoulders out. Once you get that guy, what's the best way to retain him? Yeah. And these guys are people just like anybody else. So you have to find what they are most interested in, right? What is that individual's interest? Are they interested in opportunity? Do they want opportunity to grow and become better and maybe transition into another part of the business? Or do they really like being the technician and being the mastermind technician behind the equipment, which means that they're likely going to become, you know, uh, a crew lead, a uh, a, a shop lead, maybe they even become the trainer for the business. So you should be able to, as a business owner, you should be able to lay out one or two different career paths that, hey, if you do good, I hired you because X, Y, Z, right? And if you excel at these, here's a career path for you where you can improve yourself. That's right. right. That's right. And and I, I look at this um, from, maybe from a, a, I don't know if it's a biased perspective, but this is how I came into the industry. Somebody found me with no knowledge and no skills, and they found me and saw the opportunity to teach me and train me these concepts and see how I could provide value for the organization over the long term. And with that, I had to take action. I had to show up. I had to be involved. I had to grab the bull by the horns and do the things that were necessary. The reality is there were three, four, five other guys in the organization that had the same, were put in the same type of positions as I was, were given the same opportunities, and they're not even in the spray foam industry anymore. Really? And so you have to realize that sometimes it's just not a good fit. Yeah. Like you might have to go through three, four, five guys to find one that sticks and, and actually becomes uh, what you're trying to create. I think people want to be engaged and they want culture and they want yes. opportunities sometimes more so than money. I mean, money is important, obviously, but that's what millennials. That's what they're looking for. Well, and we need to get away from that message that, hey, you have to go to college. You have to get an education. You have to get an office job. How do we sell that? It's OK to work with your hands. Use your skills in other ways. Uh, you know, some people just are naturally gifted with tools and working with their hands and things like that. But because of society, because of that, hey, you must go to college to get a college education to get a good job. We need to get away from that message, not discrediting college by any means, but it's not right. a, it's not a necessary thing to get, a you know, have a job that you can have a good life from. Well, in a lot of cases, uh, the the kids who go to Votech school, I mean, you see it all over Facebook, Instagram, Mike Rowe, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of cases, the kids can make more money 
doing this type of work than they can at an you know entry level office job. And they're not right? paying off student loans, right? You know, because they're jumping right into a job. So that point right there, that that's a conversation that I don't think is being had enough right now in the marketplace is that student loans, the cost of university now is different than it was 20 years ago when I went to school. It's the the return on investment is not necessarily there um, depending on the type of program that you're going into. If you're going into law school, if you're going in to be a doctor, if you're going in to be an engineer, then those programs are necessary. But if you're going just for the experience and you're going to have $100,000 in debt and graduate six years later with an interdisciplinary study in human relations, like what the hell are you going to do with that? Hey, you're going to do sales. <laughs> well, I mean, that's exactly what you just described yeah. is what Aaron went to school for. And he's sitting here on the podcast. So, I mean, interdisciplinary, whatever he said. That's, we, we have we have new sales reps here this week. And last night we were talking and, yeah, I went to college for this and that. And everyone is in sales. But to your point, you can still go to college and still be a spray foamer. And you said mas- sure. you said master technician, just calling it that rather than, you know, we always say labor short. There's a labor short. This isn't a labor job. This is a technical field with chemistry and with fluid dynamics and building science. And I still think that there's a place for go to college, learn, learn, get a learn business, business degree, get, yeah. you know, understand the technical side of it, spend sure. some time in it. And then you'll be equipped later on to either advance or start something for yourself. So I, I, I don't want to say don't go to college. Go to college. Oh, absolutely not. Either way, there's still yeah, there's, there's room. value there. But like you said, it doesn't necessarily need to be your end game, right? Your, your college right. education yeah. doesn't necessarily drive you to your end career. Well, I think it needs to be evaluated based on what type of opportunity that's going to create for you versus – the message go to college because that's what you're supposed to do. Exactly. Right. Yep. This is what we did. This is what you're going to do. And this is what your kids are going to do. Right. It doesn't have to be that way. My best friend from high school went the exact opposite path of me. He graduated. He knew he didn't want to go to college. He went to a vocational school. He became a, a reefer mechanic. So the um, refrigeration units on the back of trucks, oh, he became reefer. a refrigeration mechanic. And uh, and he works on refrigeration trucks, and he's been doing that now since he was 19 years old. Yeah, you got to be careful uh, with reefer. This guy's from Colorado, yeah. remember? So, <laughs> Colorado, be more specific. Colorado, right? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> uh, so we get off topic a little bit there, right? Right. So okay, let's talk a little bit about. So we've we've identified the guy, gave him a career path, you know. But what happens? If we don't identify that guy and and we continue down this path of labor shortage, you know, I assume costs are going to go up. Yeah. You know, like, ha- what would happen if in 10 years all the contractors wake up and their labor labor cost is now 50 percent higher? We're all making more money or more or more. <laughs> guess yeah. what, Don? They don't buy more chemical from you. Right. Right. Yeah. They, they, they buy less because they're selling less jobs because now the, the, their, the jobs that they have are fewer and far between because their price has gone up overall yeah. and it's going to go up faster 
than inflation. So we become we create a bigger disparity between current prices and future prices by not trying to aggressively address a labor shortage. True. So other than, you know, us doing this podcast kind of thing, how do we get this message out more? I mean, we have to be telling everybody, right? right. You, what can you guys do? You guys interact with um, thousands of spray foam contractors every year. You, you and your teams have to be sharing this message, right? I try to share it as much as I can. The manufacturers in the industry, have to be sharing this message. And all of us have to be doing our part when it comes to um, training and education, because that's what we're dealing with is it's a, it's a, a, a labor shortage of skilled personnel, of knowledgeable people. So we have to be able to take people who have high will and high desire and high integrity and the drive to become better. And we have to create paths for them to gain the knowledge and actually be effective in the field. And that means that the companies that operate out in the field, spray foam contractors, for example, they have to become more sophisticated. They need systems and processes that onboard these new people into their business that get them operating as fast and as efficient and as quick as possible with as little impact on the best people in the business, like the, with this little impact on the business owner, with this little impact on the best sprayer, with this little impact on the best sales rep. And we have to get them into the organizations where they're effective in short order. And then they have to have some form of continuing education for their personnel so that they can move them forward on that career path. So I, I, I got a question. Is it, I don't, I'm not sure how I want to phrase it. So once once you find that guy, right, the the guy with all the qualities we just talked about, it's equally important to invest back into that employee with trainings, the continuing ed. So it's not just, hey, you know what, you know, part of, some of these guys, some of the contractors out there might might use that as an excuse, right? Hey, there's no there's no labor out there. We can't find the right guy. When in fact, they're not investing back into their em- employee. That's a huge part of it. Wouldn't you agree? I agree. So so what I see happening in the industry is the business owner calls and says, Robert, you know, I've had five guys in the past two years come through my doors and they've all not worked out. Like yep. they, they just, they come in and it, it's grueling work and it's hard to do and all these excuses. And it's probably a lot of what they're hearing from their people, but when, when I turn the question back on them and say, okay, guys, what is your process for onboarding these new people? Exactly. Oh, what do you mean process? Yes. Yep. <clears throat> right. Yep. What is your process for taking them from not knowing anything to knowing the, the knowledge that they need to, to be more than just an assistant to being the master technician applicator, right? What's the, what methods are you using to give them opportunity? And they're not doing anything well, the because answer, they don't know how to do it. The answer is I put him in the truck with Jimmy so he can get his 40 hours this week. Right. Right. I mean, that's yep. we're no. keeping him busy. Well, think, think about what happens. Right. So we bring on we're going to say we bring on a guy to be a, 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 an assistant. So how do we train him? Well, we send him out with our best spray foam crew or our best spray foam tech. And we expect that that tech trains him. With no guidance, with no with no other information. So but what happens? Tech sees him as competition. Yes, they go out to the job site. The tech sees him as competition. He might take my job someday. Yep. This guy, if he gets any good, I might lose my job. But then the tech also says, "You know, 
I get paid by the board foot. Right. I can't waste any time training this guy because I like if I slow down my job, then I don't get paid as much. So if I spend any time training this guy, I don't get paid as much this week. So they drive after what they're paid by. That's what most techs, most sprayers in the industry, that's what's going to drive their actions is whatever they get compensated for, whatever their incentive is, they're going to drive after that. And if they get paid by the set or by the board foot, then they're going to drive after spraying more material. So instead we should be as the owner, he should take that head tech guy and say, Hey, I want to expand this business and I need your help doing it. You're going to be our trainer. You're going to be our trainer. I'm going to bring you in. And in a month from now, when you get this guy or two months, you know, whatever the timeline is, is, you know what? We're going to have two rigs. We're going to expand business and you're going to be a part of this growth. Yes. You can give them a business growth objective, you know, to give them a piece. You're going to get a cent a board foot for whatever that rig does. So train them good. And you can do that if that head sprayer is interested in that type of growth path for himself. Right. Because I've come across a lot of sprayers who are just like, leave me alone. Let me do my job. I'll crank out as much material as possible. But I just I don't want any outside distractions or responsibilities. I just want this. Right. It ain't broke. And Why if are that's we all he wants, then you need to go find somebody else. What you need to probably do is look for one of those aging um, guys, the guys that are aging out of crawling through 140 degree attics that have been doing it for 10 years and find somebody like that who doesn't want to crawl through attics, but that can become an amazing trainer. And then it's, then you got, you know, for training, you have to look for special skills, right? You got to look for communication and teachability and leadership. somebody who can actually leadership, right? Somebody who can actually command uh, an audience when they're, whether it's one person or three people, they have to actually be able to take hold of the situation and not all great sprayers with the skills have that skill set. I would rather have a guy for a training position. I would rather have a guy who's a really good communicator and trainer that has the knowledge. Yep than have a really good sprayer that has no communication skills. Right. How long do you hold on for, to that new candidate for? I mean, if you put some goals and objectives in place and it's just not, that's probably another issue is that we get a guy and he's, he's okay. He's hanging around, but yeah. he's not, you know, getting it done. How long do you, do you keep trying and fighting it? I mean, is it three months? Yeah. Is it a, two years? I don't think it's a hard and fast time rule because it's going to be, you're going to have to be flexible given the situation and the dynamics of your area and the type of work you're doing and a whole bunch of different factors. But this is an ongoing management question um, in every industry, right? So if you go back to, to some of the management consultants for years, one of the guidelines is that a, a good corporation should actually let go of the bottom 10% of their staff every year and replace them. And the, the idea is that you improve the overall company by getting rid of the laggards and going to find new people and new people in theory are going to be better than the laggards. Get rid of the C players, right? Yeah, that's That's right. right. That's exactly right. How long do you invest to make him a B player? How long do you invest in a B to make him an A before, you know, eventually you got to go ahead. Well, eventually you got to make decisions. Yeah. You got to move on. If you can't get a B to an A, you got to cut bait. Well, and the reality is not every person in your organization is going to be an A player. And so there's room for B players. 
in most companies because they're necessary. Like they get a lot of the day-to-day activities and the grind done. Yep. Not do it at an A level, but they get it done and it needs to be done. And the reality is if you if you put a, a high level A player in front of uh, monotonous day-to-day activities, they're not going to be very happy in most situations. So the key is to, to recognize, once you have the talent, the key is to recognize what they want. Do they want to be left alone and just go out there and spray? Do they want room for advan- advancement, right? And then once you figure if they want the advancement opportunity, what is going to be the best path for them? So going back to you have to invest in your employees, not just monetarily, but you have to get to know them, figure out what their their goals are, what drives them, and then create a career path for them that's going to keep them with you as a valuable asset to the company. Engagement. Yeah. And yeah, keep them interested. Right. And that's, I mean, that's why employee evaluations are so critical to how a business operates. Because in theory, in those employee evaluations, that's when you're finding out, you know, what skills are they best at? What areas of the business are they most interested in? What future path of growth do we have? Or are they just a a C player that's just going to get the bare minimum done? And, you know, if we have bare minimum jobs, then maybe they fill those roles. Perfect, yep. I don't know um, why, but every time you say C player, Don keeps pointing at me. I don't. That's, <laughs> it's not fair. It's not fair. So, Robert, just to kind of wrap it up a little bit, though, where can we find out more about you? Sure, uh, sprayfoamadvisor.com. That's my website, and uh, you know anybody can go create a free account at sprayfoamadvisor.com. That, for example, if this topic is of interest to you. Um, somebody could go, you could go create an account at sprayfoamadvisor.com. And I have, uh, the entire recording from SPFA of this discussion in more detail, um, on the, the website and they'll be able to access that. I also have, you know, for those of you interested, I have probably 30 other seminars from the past four or five years of SPFA conventions available free on the website as well. Hey, where I go in and record different speakers. Something tells me, depending on the hits on this one, we may just have you back to talk about another subject. Sure, Maybe. sure, of course. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, if, you know, kind of the the solution, in my opinion, starts with recruiting new talent and recruiting from everywhere possible. The best ways to find high integrity people are referrals. You know, right. talk to... Um, people that you know, talk to high quality people that you know, they know other high quality people, go to churches and, um, you know, the religious organizations you're affiliated with, they know typically high quality people, you know, look for high quality people in your community, they're going to be able to typically point to other high quality people. And, uh, and then you have to be able to onboard and train them. And that means systems and processes. And for contractors that are looking for information, there is a free, uh, an eight part video series at www.spfwebinar.com that, uh, that I make free available to the industry. So contractors, um, anybody in the industry, uh, you know, sales reps, um, distributors, manufacturers, anybody can go sign up and get this eight part video series that uh, provides just general information across 
a spectrum of spray foam topics, whether it's, you know, building science, building codes, um, safety, uh, do's and don'ts, general best practices. It's kind of a, a catch-all um, introduction to, to spray foam education video series. So if somebody's listening to this podcast and they, they're intrigued and they, they want to talk a little bit more one-on-one with you, they can? Yeah. Yeah, Perfect. definitely. Robert cool. at sprayfoamadvisor.com. That's the best way to get a hold of me. Um, or you can get me on my Facebook page, Spray Foam Advisor. Um, either one of those. Message me on my Facebook page or Robert at sprayfoamadvisor.com. Perfect. Well, I, I think this was great. Yeah. A lot of good knowledge coming out. Um, you know, I, something tells me we'll have you back on to, to right talk on. about a couple more more subjects. Um, again, sprayfoamadvisor.com. Pancake, you want to take us away? Yep. You've been listening to Our Value, uh, brought to you by IDI. Robert, thank you. Appreciate Thanks, buddy. Your time. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers.